When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello everyone and welcome to The Promised Land, the show about Manchester United and part of the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by Rob Blanchett, as ever, to talk about Manchester United and their exploits on and off the pitch. They've qualified for the last eight of the Europa League with a interesting 1-0 win over Betis in the second leg of the last 16 tie on Thursday night. We await, as we record this, the draw for the last 16, but I think or the last eight, but I think United should now be targeting to win this competition. Rob, how are you doing? Not bad. Obviously, a good result in Betis in the end. A strange football match in many ways, and we'll break some of that down for you today. But now Manchester United are through, and the second favourites got knocked out last night, didn't they? So The best team in the world. The best team in the world, but only second favourites to Manchester United in the Europa League. So still the best team in the world, but not quite there. Unfortunate for Arsenal. Very happy to see Arsenal get knocked out last night. I think um, not just the manner of it, because I think you know penalty shootouts are what they are. But I do think United now, it's not a clear run, but we are the favourites. We've got to be the favourites for that competition. And I would rather that Man United got a stronger draw, a harder draw in the next round, rather than, than an easy one. Because I think we deal with those situations better than maybe playing the Minnows. Juventus, Roma, Feyenoord, Sevilla, all teams who are still left in the competition and we will see uh, what the path turns out to be uh, over the next few weeks. So the draw is on Friday at midday. You're probably listening to this after it's happened. Uh, yeah. But I think the, just a general rule is United should be targeting to win this competition and right the wrongs of 2021 when they should have won that competition and lost on penalties to Villarreal. And of course, sport is all about storylines, isn't it? So you'd either get the Paul Pogba derby, that would be interesting and fun, playing Juventus. But wouldn't it be interesting to have the Jose Mourinho derby? That would be very interesting, wouldn't it? That could be a that could be a blockbuster, isn't it? I think Roma would be a good opponent for Man United. Past versus present. Former Europa League winner with Manchester United there, Jose Mourinho, against the new school of Eric Ten Hag. Uh, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, indeed. We will talk about uh, the Europa League in a little bit more depth. We'll talk about United's performance in Betis. A bit loose. <laughs> Got a bit weird at times. Uh, but, you know, advancing and winning is all that matters at the moment. Uh, we'll also talk today about the Fulham game in the FA Cup at the weekend. We'll do a little bit of Jude Bellingham because I know that people love 
to listen to what's happening with Jude Bellingham. Uh, and United have come back into the picture in recent days. But we'll also talk about the big story, which is uh, the prospective new owners of Manchester United visiting Old Trafford and Carrington on Thursday and Friday. We have seen, as we record this, pictures of Jim Ratcliffe and his Ineos representatives, including Dave Brailsford, uh, rocking up at Old Trafford to meet Richard Arnold in his open shirt and jumper, uh, which is interesting to say the least. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later on, but you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And you can watch us Tuesdays and Fridays twice a week as well through the international break, which is coming up. Unfortunately, we will still be recording on Tuesdays and Fridays. We'll have to get a bit more creative. Head over to the YouTube channel. Like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us as well. We see those coming in and we appreciate it. And follow us on Twitter as well, under, at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Let's go to the game last night, Rob. Uh, win, obviously, Marcus Rashford with a, a smashing goal, missed a couple of easy chances, got quite triggered at times. I think United fell into the trap of you know, Betis wanted to rattle them a little bit and make make it their game. United fell into that trap in the first half. Second half was much better. Um, but what were the big things for you? I think the big thing for me really was I'm I'm starting to see a pattern, which is a lot of space for opposition teams to transition through in midfield. And that's a little bit of a concern, but it was fixed in the second half. Yeah, I still think, you know, on the ball, we can be better. And I think that that transitions to being off the ball. And it goes backwards and forwards, Scott. So, like, if you're not as good off the ball, for whatever reason, so last night we didn't have Anthony, and I think he's a, an incredibly important player on, in United's off-ball movement. You saw last night there was a lot of space being given there. Not blaming anyone specifically, but I think, again, when you bring in a young lad like Palestri, who's not used to the flow of the game, I think he had good moments. We'll talk a little bit more about him later. But this is maybe the issue with playing Bruno deeper at the eight is that Bruno then has to do a lot of that box-to-box -box function and close down certain areas. And that's really tough, I think, for anyone, unless you're a specialist. So, yeah, I think United left a lot of space last night. But for me, the big problem was that for the first 45 minutes, certainly, is that Betis wanted to turn it into a war and you let them. Like, if you go to their place in front of 65,000 people... That place is a cauldron, an old school Spanish stadium where the noise levels are immense. And United just kind of played into Betis' hands, didn't they, in those early moments? So, yes, you're 4-1 up. You can maybe be a little bit more relaxed, but that's not really how it went, was it? United weren't relaxed. United were trying to fight fire with fire. In those situations going forward, Scott, and certainly next year, United need to learn to put their foot on the ball. Put your foot on the ball, slow it down show your quality and deny the opponent all of that all of that fire and bluster that that Betis were trying to create but in the end second half you got the goal you turned the tie you cruised out in the end at, at the end of the football match but you could have made it a little bit easier on yourself certainly with some more big games to come i know the international break is upon us but united need to maybe manage themselves in these games stage manage better than they do are you talking about Casemiro there by any chance? Or not not on his performance, but in the fact that he remained on the pitch on a yellow card? Yes, I to, to an extent. And I think that, you know, I've said to you uh, off camera that I think Eric Ten Hag 
rather than talk about it in his pressers before games or after games, he always gives us these kind of Easter eggs, like in his tactics. So when you look at his tactics, you think, to yourself, well, why has he done that? Or why is he doing that repeatedly when it's not the most obvious thing? So when you talk about Casemiro, of course, I think the big thing from last night was, why did you play Casemiro 90 minutes? Why? He's on a yellow card. He ain't getting why? many 90 minutes over the next month. <laughs> but there's that. So there's that. So that, that's that's one thing he can put out in his press to say, Casemiro is not going to play games, so I played him 90 minutes. But no one in their right mind, Scott, in football as a coach, leaves on a player that you could lose for the next game in that kind of environment where Betis are after you and they want blood, they want thunder. So you talk about Casemiro's performance. I think what we saw there was that a player who can control himself and that maybe he needs to take this going forward as a number six. And he's been suspended now for eight matches because of a lack of control in certain areas. Now, as I said to you in the last show, I'm not going to chastise him for that and say, oh, Casemiro be different because he's been amazing. You know, he really has. He's changed Man United's fortunes in midfield. But I think it does show that United are nowhere near the finished article in the middle of the pitch. And Casemiro needs to control the game a little bit more with this and not less of this point into my heart. I want the balance to be correct. I said as well to you, Owen Hargreaves said last night that if you are in a situation where you have to avoid cards as a player, you can still be aggressive and do that. And I totally agree with that. You just need to be controlled. Don't dive in. The last 10 minutes of the match, there was two or three situations where Casemiro actively like went, I'm not getting involved in this. I'm not putting my foot in because you never know. He needs to do a little bit more of that. Think smart, be smart, actually play the game and keep control. And I think that's something that he needs to take forward. And Man United need to look at players who come into the football club next in the summer who can do the same. Casemiro and Bruno Fernandes were on yellow cards. Bruno was uh, withdrawn after, well, when the game was essentially won on the night. Casemiro played the entirety. It's also worth noting uh, that that threat of suspension will still hang over those two players even in the next round. Uh, the yellow cards don't get wiped off until after the quarterfinals, which hmm. is on upon us next. And obviously, we will soon find out who the draw is. But I think just in general, it, you range from Juventus to the to Union saint Gilois. I, I don't know how you pronounce that. Uh, if you're from Belgium and you feel like I butchered that, sorry, uh, let me know. But whichever team you get, I think they should be targeting winning this competition. They also play Fulham in the FA Cup. They're in the top four race in a, in a good position. I think for me last night with Arsenal going out as well, I hate playing English teams in Europe. I just don't like mm. it. Um, it is just, it's not good for my heart. Um, but United should now be looking at all of these competitions and thinking, right, let's go unbeaten. Like, I think you said this, Rob. Let's go unbeaten for the rest of the season. Let's win the two cups and let's finish in the top four and use that as a base to build off for next season when you end up back in the Champions League, if you do, if you do manage to get there. And obviously the ownership will sort itself out. You'll be in a better position with your squad tran uh, transformation new site more new signings under your belt and then you should be looking upwards to try and win the win the league title from next season but uh yeah rob uh, any further thoughts on that no I, th I think it's just saying there if you win the two two extra cups and you've won three cups in a year that would be astonishing um i do treble, I, yeah be, the, 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 
Yeah, we can get T-shirts made up and hats and the lot, can't we? Um, and we'll call it think, the treble like they did. We'll call it the treble like they did. But we've we've got real treble somewhere in our back in our history. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you, you definitely should be targeting to win these competitions now, especially the Europa League, the way it is. The one team I wanted to avoid in the next round, they're out. You know, I didn't want Arsenal. I really didn't. I didn't want that pressure to come into it. I think everyone else in the competition... There's a sliding scale of difficulty, but they're all kind of difficult, whichever way you look at it in Europe. You've just got to go and manage yourself. So this is why I think we're talking about that. Like you, you won the bettish game over two legs convincingly. 5-1 is a convincing result. There's no doubt about it. But there were bits of the performances that weren't convincing. And there are reasons for that. But this is what United need to take forward now game to game. You've just got to go out there now, Scott, and be, be the best version that you can be. And also keep... Keep doing the good stuff that you've done. As you said, I think United are starting to look a little bit tired in the same way that I think Arsenal looking a little bit tired. City, on the other hand, are starting to look a little bit fresher to me, just to the eye. So United have to manage that, don't they? And I think with the international break, we said before, might be helpful for United as long as you don't get any injuries in that international break when they go and play for their countries. You might find that having this kind of this period away from, from activity helps you going into the next round of the Premier League. I think for me that the, the priority must be the Premier League. That is the way you've got to look at it now. Yep, the Europa, you should go and win it. Yep, you should carry on in the FA Cup. You should hopefully beat Fulham. But three points every week now. That is it. Get third. And if you get third and the League Cup, the season's been a success. Looking at the United squad, obviously Casemiro is suspended domestically, but the light and there's a, num- there's a few players in there who will get a rest. David mm. De Gea, uh, Rafa Varane, retired from international duty. Marcus Rashford is obviously going to keep going, but the likes of Christian Eriksen is injured. Uh, and you've got other players such as... I wanted to talk about Anthony Martial, actually, because he is on mm. the verge of... Uh, well, he's back in training. I think he... he I, I've been... I was watching that game last night and I was like, I was thinking, God, we've been out with, without Martial for the entire season, effect- mm. effectively. Just get him back. And then that first game back after the international break, whether he might might participate against Fulham, you never know. But there's no need to kind of rush him back in, get a couple mm. couple more weeks training under his belt and then go from there. There's, there's a few players who will get a rest, but obviously some uh, will just keep going. Uh, the grind will keep on. Uh, but Fulham at the weekend, FA Cup... Uh, last eight, the game before Wembley uh, in the semi-final. United at home, Fulham, good season, but they were they were well well beaten by Arsenal last weekend. Difficult one for United, but again, this is just a, a game to get through, right? Just get into the hat for the next round, get a trip to Wembley under your belt and see how it goes. Yeah, look, Fulham have been astonishing this year compared to what people's expectations were. You know, like Fulham were on day one, many people's tip to be in that bottom three to be relegated. And here they are kind of on the cusp of Europe. You know, they've had an incredible season. There's always, you talk about storylines like we did earlier on. There's the Andres Pereira side of it. You know, he's going to come back and sting us. Potentially, I think he's had a really good season. Mitrovic has also had a really good season, but kind of tailed off a little bit. So they're, they're, there's a, a game to win here for Man United. Like United at their best should beat them. However, without Casemiro, there are question marks, aren't there? You know, we've we we kind of know what we've seen before without Casemiro. And this is the kind of game where you know Fulham are gonna come and they're gonna work. And if United are not quite on it, like say they weren't against Southampton, 
you can't put that performance against Southampton in this game. If you put that against Fulham, Fulham will knock you out. They will. They'll find a way to beat you 1-0 and shut the shop down. And I think that um, I think you've seen this year kind of evolution of their team, that, that the expectation has gone way up now because they're actually quite a rich football club, Scott. They've got mm. rich owners from, from West London. You know, the ownership's from America. They've pumped loads of money into that team. And, and they're on the rise and they feel good. Like they want to come to Old Trafford and have their real swan song day of the season where they knock out Man United who are flying high. So a difficult game for United and United need to be on their best behaviour. They have a player in midfield. I'm not, I think he might be back, Joao Polinia, who could he could really do a job uh, in the United midfield, I think. Uh, good player. He's a very good player. And there's a lot of uh, sporting products who are you know there's another narrative for the draw Bruno Fernandes going back to sporting if that happens uh Jao Polinia has come from there as well uh and you know United will have to uh, we talked in in previous shows Rob, about this being a position to potentially address the the rotation role with Casemiro we might touch on that over the international break we'll see but yes United play Fulham at the weekend expecting obviously to progress through that but it won't be that easy we did touch on Lisandro in the six in the last show. Little bit of a campaign for that. I don't think it's going to happen. Do you? How do you think you'll do it? Uh, well, Eric obviously did not agree with our little campaign for that. Didn't jump on our hashtag, did he? Um, no, it's not going to. I don't think it will happen just simply because. Never go into. But... Again, the Easter eggs are all there. Just go look at the Easter eggs. You know, like Martinez stayed well away from the midfield last night. There was that opportunity, wasn't it? Who actually got the rest last night? It was Luke Shaw, wasn't it? So it, I think that there's still that potential to play Martinez in there. It's something I would be very, very favourable, I think, for me. That's what I would like to see. But there's other options. You saw Fred pulled early last night, so you'd expect that Fred's going to be in there somewhere. I think we'll probably see Bruno carry on as the eight. So I think those two will be the central midfield hub. Sabitzer returning as well. Scott McTominay is uh, the one that I think... Is he injured, Scott McTominay? I don't think he was, no. I think he might have had not, but he... he, 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 um, No, I think he is available. Sorry, you're on the spot there. (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. I think think Sabitzer... For me, Sabitzer as well is the other alternative. I I like Sabitzer, and I think that if you are still in this mould of not playing Bruno at the 10 for whatever reason, I keep saying it every week, then... I think that you can play Sabitzer at the 10. He's done it before and he's done it a fair bit in the past before, especially the Bayern Munich days. And his XG from 10 is outrageous. He's brilliant. So like you can give it a go. You saw it last night a couple of times where he gets towards the edge of the box. I believe there's a Bundesliga statistic that says he's the best midfielder in the Bundesliga at hitting the target from the edge of the box. So he can give you that as a number 10 and maybe a game like Fulham where might be a little bit of a battle, you know, in the middle. He could be that guy that drives you forward if you want Bruno Deeper maybe to be on the ball a bit more. The other person that I wanted to mention in the having a break is Christian Eriksen, and hopefully he will be back not so long after the international break, uh, fingers crossed, because I think United could use a bit of control in midfield. And on that topic, we will transition on to other uh, points of conversation today. Jude Bellingham. Let's do that because uh, Real Madrid, Liverpool, Manchester City have been mm. named as the, well, they are the front runners to sign Jude Bellingham in the summer. But this week, uh, it came from the Telegraph, I believe, that 
Jude Bellingham is of interest to Man United, and obviously we know that is the case for a price of £110 million. Pounds. Uh, there's some interest there. Now, we haven't really touched on Jude Bellingham on these shows, Rob, but I, I think he's a high-profile enough player to have a discussion about. I think I, I have my my own ideas about how this might go, but he's on the agenda. What do you think? He's on the agenda, and the reason why we're talking about him today is there's some more credible information around the potential of Manchester United making an offer and maybe him coming to the football club. I think in weeks gone by, that hasn't really been there. When we've we made inquiries, it's very much been a kind of Liverpool stroke Real Madrid thing, which it still kind of is. But I think the, the wider angle now for Man United is that Jude Bellingham has been to Carrington previously before obviously signed for Dortmund, came twice to Carrington, very, very serious about potentially joining Man United. And of course, when the Dortmund offer came in, which was a later offer, he decided to take that one because he wanted to play football. Now, I think in terms of what that was at that time, he was right because I don't believe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer would have put him into his Premier League team. I just don't believe that at that point, not of his age of 17 stroke 18. Fast forward all this time later, and we know that his dad obviously had contact with United before and was very keen for his son to go to, to Manchester United. Now he's in this kind of new world where if he went to Man United, he would be the starter, wouldn't he? Without a doubt, he'd come. He'd be the great big, you know, English hope coming to the football club. And would that be something that appeals to him? Now, this is why the whole building saga under Ten Hag is so important, because this is what makes clubs attractive to, to players. On one hand, Liverpool look less attractive, don't they? Because of the issues they've got. Not according to Liverpool. Well, not according, to, not according to Liverpool, but Liverpool always think they're attractive to the marketplace and to the world because they're Liverpool and they can offer all those things. Quite interesting the other night, wasn't it? When they played You'll Never Walk Alone in the Bernabeu. Like, talk about taking the mick. Like, I, I couldn't believe they actually played that. I know the Liverpool fans sang along. There was a reason behind it, right? I don't know. I, I don't like the reason. Put it that way. Uh, but I'm not a Liverpool fan, so I don't care. Um, but looking at Liverpool, they are... They are less attractive because the moving bits at their football club, there's a lot of things that need fixing. Real Madrid, on the other hand, are maybe the opposite scale, is that there's maybe too much competition in their midfield. You know, I said to you off camera, I think Camavinga is going to become the best midfielder in the world. And then you've got Chiumani. So you've got two players in there already who are brilliant. Would that affect Bellingham's status at the club? I think it really would. Depends where you played him. So it opens the market for other bidders, I think. And I look at Manchester United, and I think if United end up in the Champions League next year with the trophy next Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Pocket and new owners, especially the new owners part, 
110 million. I don't. I wouldn't call it value, Scott. I don't think it's 110 million is enough for him. Well, I th- I think that again, United have got previous with Dortmund in terms of negotiating. So they they didn't stumble for Jaden Sancho, did they? When Jaden was offered on the market 107 million, that was the price. United went, no, 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 not doing it. So I'm not quite sure whether they would do a big valuation for Jude Bellingham like that. However, if the player wants to come to United, then I do think that United will pursue it. You know, it's the same way Jaden Sancho. When once Jaden Sancho said to United privately, I'd really like to join your club, even though people think I'm going elsewhere, then that kind of gathered pace very quickly. So it's a wait and see. But I think we have seen enough to know that Man United do need to add a primary midfielder in the summer. Garrett Ten Hag knows that as well. Midfield is a point of interest for him. Obviously, Frankie de Jong is the, the name always that, that comes up in relation to that position. Yeah, uh, We've talked Declan Rice in recent weeks. Jude Bellingham, though, is, from what we hear, set to make a decision long-term during, mm-hmm. maybe during this international break. Uh, he has he could join any club in the world. I'm I'm pretty sure. Maybe apart from Barcelona, who just can't sign anyone. Yeah. Um, but on the Real Madrid point, Rob, I think there's a natural position in that midfield for him. Luka Modric is winding his career down. Tony Cruz mm-hmm. is winding his career down. You've got then a three a three in midfield there of Camavinga, uh, Bellingham, and Chouameni. That is a midfield for the next 15 years. He has an p- opportunity to join that, and they win European cups. They see through different managers. They still win through, still win European Cups. You've got Fede Valverde who can slot in there, but he can also play on the right side. You've got Kylian Mbappe who'll end up there in the next few years. You've got Endrick who will end up there in the next few years. That is a hell of a prospect for him. I know Real Madrid are confident on it. Liverpool are confident on it, but they have their own challenges with uh, getting into the Champions League and the potential issues with finance there, although some insist that they have kept their powder dry, so to speak, in order to sign Bellingham, but they need more than Jude Bellingham in midfield. Man City, you even saw Jack Grealish yesterday saying, come to City on uh, Jude Bellingham's Instagram uh, or on a comment that he made. Uh, so City are in there. They're feeling pretty confident as well, but also don't rule out Jude Bellingham signing a new contract with Dortmund. That mm. could be something that happens as well. Uh, with a release clause. With a release clause, mm-hmm. uh, which... And if he does want to join Liverpool, the way I look at it is, and Liverpool fans will tell you this, tell you differently to this, but why would you take the risk of joining Liverpool when they're on the cusp of a rebuild? Give it another year if you really want to join Liverpool that much and see if the rebuild is actually going to succeed next season. Because not but why does he? Stood. Yeah, why does he want to join Liverpool? This is the idol without... is Steven Gerrard. Oh God, like you're Steven Gerrard, who is not at Liverpool anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's like it, the. It, I, this to, that that move to me reeks a little bit of Man United signing Paul Pogba. That that midfielder who is going to rejuvenate this big club for a lot of money, and it appealed to Paul Pogba, didn't work. Will this appeal to Drew Bellingham? But I think he's got a ton of options. It wouldn't surprise me at all though if he stays another year. I think the two big things for me in that, what you just said there, is that as much as like you were just saying about Real Madrid and the options, when the Madrid would have to play a midfield three if they were going to do that and, and house those three players who've all got different skill sets in how they play the game. But I think the biggest one, and we have to put it on the table, is that you will earn a lot more money in the Premier League. A lot. Not even, it's not a little bit anymore. 
it is like double, triple, quadruple. So if you, it, I, I just think that players can't say no to that, even in the earlier part of their careers. Yes, Real Madrid will remain a an incredible destination for footballers that always has been. But Real Madrid are no longer in the Galactico era. They're not. They're having to cut their their powder and they're you know, keeping it dry in a very, very, very different way. So I, I think that Barcelona and uh, you know, uh, Real Madrid, as things stand, they're only as strong as La Liga is. And that makes them weaker. And that's a problem. So I think when you look at Jude Bellingham, I kind of with you what you just said there. I actually think a new contract is very possible with a release clause that gives him a realistic option in the marketplace, because then he can go anywhere he wants. If they put in, say, I don't know, 100 million, something like that, they don't go mad with the with the, with the the exit clause. If he could then, that would give him an option, wouldn't it, to go wherever he wanted in the world, because I think 100 million is very affordable for most clubs these days. Um, it's still a lot of money, but it's, it's, it is a gettable fee for any club that wants to play. The problem that buying clubs have at the moment with this is that Enzo Fernandez has just joined Chelsea for 106 million pounds. Yeah, and that's a and problem. I know Enzo Fernandez has just won the World Cup, but Jude Bellingham at this stage is more proven than Enzo Fernandez was when he joined Chelsea. Yeah, and that's why you have to be aggressive in the marketplace to to resist. So when United were in this position with Sancho, the 107 million, as they were quoted, and they went no, they were absolutely right to say no because they could have just gone, yeah, we'll just we we need this player, so we want to bid 70 million, you want 107. That's like there's 37 million difference. Like that's crazy. It's a lot of money. I think that was the same with Enzo Fernandez. I think Enzo Fernandez is about 60 to 70 million pound player. That's what I think he is. And Chelsea overspent because they've overspent on everyone. Like they've spent, what, 700 million now on transfers in the last few months or whatever it is. It's crazy money, isn't it? So it's not real. It's, it's kind of like fancy football in reality, in a weird reality. So I think with Jude Bellingham, it, I think he will. I think I think the Premier League is really attractive to him because not played in the Premier League yet, even at his young age, his long term future, I think, is here. I really do believe that. Like Real Madrid could come later on down the line for for him. Um, I'm not saying he comes to United and then go to Real Madrid, but I think Man United can offer him a package both financially and also, like you just said there, the Paul Pogba thing. You know, could he be the guy that actually succeeds where Paul Pogba failed? That's a narrative, isn't it? And you, know, I think also he might look at the Casemiro thing and go, "Yeah, I like that. I'd like." That's to a hell of a player to learn off, Jude. <laughs> you, you, you've got Casemiro at 31 going to on to 32 next year and and if Jude was the number eight there was a natural position for him at Man United like that and I'm not sure like you just said about Real Madrid I'm not sure it is as natural as you put it I really don't I think they could change the style of play they'd have to they'd have to jig things around to make those things work and I don't think Jude Bellingham is anywhere like a Tony Kroos or a Luka Modric just not no, I agree with that Different, different, different profile. I mean, Real Madrid will look at that and go, "We might need a different profile of midfielder to to take those two uh, players places in the years in years to come." So, I, I think he fits more into the Camavinga mold, into the the Chiumani mold in terms of energy and how he plays the game. Kind of like you could play with three eights, or maybe Camavinga is a six, but it might be a bit messy. Like, do you know what I mean? It might not actually work. Man United are in the hunt for this one, so it's a, let's wait and see, and we'll let you know when we know more. Yes, uh, no decision from Jude Bellingham yet, as far as we understand it. Uh, but he may make that decision in the next few weeks. Also, do not rule out Jude Bellingham staying. Definitely. Uh, Contract on the table. It might be the smart thing for him to do at mm. this stage. But we'll see. Could be another year where a fair price is negotiated in his contract in 2024. You can move in the same summer as the Euros yeah. in 2024 and have that extra year bedding in at Dortmund. 
But anyway, uh, I did miss something, Rob, on the on the on the topic of young players hmm. getting into the Man United team. I did mean to touch on this earlier, but Facundo Pellistri is the latest to get his chance. Uh, I suppose. What have you made of him so far? Because he started on the right-hand side hmm. in Spain. Do you think he's going to get more minutes? Yes, absolutely. I do like him. I really do. And I think he's a good player. Um, I don't agree with a lot of maybe the tweets I've had recently to say he's better than Anthony. No, he's not. He just isn't. So, like, that's ridiculous. Um, I think when you look at Palestri, he's a lot of upside and, and he needs still a lot of developing. What we did see in Betis is... Some of the good stuff that he can do on the ball, we know he's busy and that he he's a progressive footballer, but we really did see as well that he's not great off the ball still. And all that is is experience, Scott. Like He's not played a lot of games at this level. People want to quote that he played for Uruguay at a World Cup and all of that. Well, that's great. I'm glad for him, you know, but... Man United, week after week after week, you've got to be really ready, haven't you? So I think that the manager said it after the game as well. He was like, oh, I know Facundo did really well. But, and he was kind of a little bit itchy. He was a bit like, but, 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 but. No, no, it was a good performance. Okay. You know, that was that. So I think we'll see more Palestri. And we'll definitely see Palestri, I think, take the Garnaccio minutes. I know they play on the opposite side, but it's about rotation of those front front five maybe and I think you'll see that maybe Anthony Anthony might even end up as a centre forward at points to make Palestri come on on that side or you just pull you pull Anthony out the firing line completely and go do you know what, what I do like about Palestri is he's a natural right-sided option but he's a, yeah. pretty much the opposite to what Anthony is in terms of which direction he's going to go in yeah. he showed that when he came on in the first, it was the first leg one there where he, he came on and he dribbled around three players, put a cross in, and Veghorst scored. I think it was. Uh, it's nice to have a, a different option with a different skill set. He's quick, he's good with his feet, uh, got a lot of energy, and he can just, after maybe, let's say the Anthony thing isn't working for 70 minutes or so, and you bring him on, and it's a completely different threat on that side. Absolutely. And I think this is why I mentioned earlier on tactical Easter eggs. You know, we can see what the manager is trying to do. So he wants different profile of player options within the two. He doesn't want the same option. He doesn't want to take someone off who does one thing, bringing on someone that does exactly the same function. Like, what is the point? That might be the issue, I think, with the likes of the Scott McTominays of this world, is that when you bring them on, they don't really offer more. They just kind of offer you maybe the same at a lower level, you know, with a lower bar. And that's a problem. So what do you do? You've got, you know, I think Malassia and Luke Shaw are kind of different players. I think on the right side, you've got uh, Wan-Bissaka, who I still think is playing really well. It is it, different to Delo. And I think now in the forward positions, if you think that Garnacho is a player who likes to go on the outside and Rashford's a player who likes to come on the inside a little bit more in the channel, I think now when you look on the right side, you've got Palestri, who maybe has got more winger function, like likes to go past a player on the outside. You've got Anthony, who's the starter, who's brilliant off the ball and really, really good at cutting in on his left foot. So we're seeing the Easter eggs here. This is called squad development. This is what the manager has been trying to do since day one. The other pertinent big issue of the week, Rob, is the fact that Manchester United's uh, representatives, Richard Arnold, uh, John Murta, etc., etc., have Welcome to Old Trafford and Carrington, uh, delegates of the two front-facing uh, big bidders for Manchester United, so representatives from Sheikh Jassim's uh, 
party to go and buy Manchester United. Uh, we're at Old Trafford and Carrington on Thursday. And today, as we record this on Friday, we have seen images of Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Dave Brailsford. Sir Jim, Sir, Sir Dave Brailsford, am I right? Uh, I think so. Rocking up at Old Trafford for their own tour. Now, reports on Thursday night said that 10 hours of meetings with the Qatar uh, representatives took place and are thought to have been positive. Uh, Sheikh Jassim's group remain committed to buying United from the Glazer family and a second bid is expected for the club within 10 days. They've already made indicative offers of the club, which we we heard are around 4.5 billion. Uh, The timeline is that this should be done by the end of the season if it's to go through. Uh, But the interest, there's a lot of, there's a video which was posted by Dan Rowan from the BBC uh, on Friday morning of Jim Ratcliffe turning up at Old Trafford and meeting Richard Arnold in his casual, smart casual way, let's, let's say. Dave Brailsford was there with him as well as other representatives from Ineos. And uh, I mean, we'll see how this goes, right? But what did you make? What have you made of this, Rob? Uh, any Anything you picked from this video of Sir Jim? It's quite interesting, wasn't it? That they've, they've decided to do this very much staged press shot at Old Trafford, you know, we've heard obviously that, that the consortiums and everyone involved in the bidding process wants to look at the facilities. I think Sir Jim Radcliffe knows what's at Old Trafford and what it looks like. I think he's been here before. Um, but it, it, it was just a whole outward nature of it to see that Richard Arnold was kind of waiting for them outside. And then Sir Jim turns up with, with as you said, with Dave Brailsford and, and they get out the car and shake hands and do all of that. That's not something we obviously saw with the Qatari consortium uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, that was done. We a did little see bit images. Private. We did, we see, did see images. We did see images, but it's a, it's a very powerful image, isn't it? When the guy who is actually the one putting forward the bid, you know, the face of the bid, as in this case with Sir Jim Ra- uh, with Jim Ratcliffe, goes to Old Trafford. That is deliberate. It's really deliberate, and it's staged, and it's something that he wants. And it's clearly something Manchester United want, isn't it? So I don't believe that Jim Ratcliffe is the favourite to to buy the football club. I think he's the slight second favourite. But I do think, Scott, and I've said this to you off camera multiple times, I think the Glazers are playing a very big game here in that the Glazers, I think their preferred option as it stands will be to refinance, to keep the club. And we know that the brothers, we know that the brothers, Glazer, Avram and Joel, would love to buy the rest of their family out and take sole control of the football club. So they're kind of bidders as well for their own club, aren't they? That's a thing. So it is, again, a wait and see. Let's see what happens in terms of who's going to put them their money where their mouth is. But I've been saying that about Jim Radcliffe now for months. Put your money where your mouth is. Well, now you've turned up at Old Trafford and you've taken that press shot today with Dave, Dave Brailsford, who, who I've got a lot of respect as an individual in sport. I think, you know, the work that he's done behind the scenes in cycling over previous years has been much lauded, but obviously there was some controversy there in in, pre, in recent years with Team Sky. I still think that... Do you want to me, go into that for any any extra detail for anyone listening who's not aware? I, th- I think cycling itself as a, as a business is a tainted business. So I don't think anyone who you don't need to like cycling or not like cycling to know that there's been an incredible amount of implication there for cyclists over the years gone by. Think about, you you know, the, the issues with Lance Armstrong and all of that, but it's, it's endless with cycling. 
So that so Team Sky were implicated in some business around that in terms of doping, which was never really completely proved or anything like that. And of course, Dave Brailsford was the head of Team Sky at that time. So that's his background. But he built Team Sky and they became the most powerful force in cycling and he built them from the ground up. So he's um, a, a close associate, obviously, with, T with Team Ineos now. He's a Manchester-based person. And obviously, he would be involved in this. I could see that if Jim Ratcliffe bought the football club, that Brailsford will probably be the sporting director. He'd be the guy to to put together the project. Uh, again, I, I said to you, I see Dale Brailsford as almost as a as an executive figure who's very similar to Eric Ten Hag in kind of how he operates in terms of building. Doesn't leave any stone unturned, likes to strategize, likes to work through problems nice and slowly and find solutions. This is why, for me, my preferred option still is Jim Ratcliffe. Is Jim Ratcliffe the richest person out there compared to the Qataris? Of course not. You know, the Qatari consortium will have more money. But I do think that, I think Team Sky, or not, sorry, Team Ineos, I should say, Team Ineos are going along the lines of they want to return the club to the fans. Now, I don't completely buy that, Scott. I really don't. I'm not stupid. I don't believe that that's everything in it. But I do think that Jim Ratcliffe's plan will be more holistic for the football club in that it will be run well, it will be run from the from the bottom up and it will give Eric Ten Hag the funds to actually build the football team that we deserve. Just a note on the representatives from the Qatari bid that were there. Uh, I'm taking this from uh, multiple reports. Party included Shazad Shabazz, president of Sheikh Jassim's 9-2 Foundation and Fadi mm. Bakos the most senior personal advisor to the Qatari Royal. But obviously, Sheikh Jassim was not there. It has been suggested that he will appear if uh, his bid is... It, it, it basically, he's put forward as the preferred bidder. That is that is what the word is that I've heard from, I believe, Carve on Sky. But it is strange, Scott, that this was a real good opportunity for him to turn up at Old Trafford and do what Jim Ratcliffe's done. So Jim Ratcliffe isn't stupid. He knows that, he, say he's playing second fiddle here and say he's second favourite just because he's got less money. What he's done today in turning up at Old Trafford and meeting Richard Arnold and doing that handshake outside the building is a powerful image. He's done that deliberately because he wants to get people on side. He does, doesn't he? And, and I think we're going to hear a lot from him now publicly about what he wants to do with Manchester United because this is what we've still not heard, isn't it, Scott? We've still, we're hearing lots of, yeah, if buts and maybes and this guy wants to do this and this guy wants to do that. Well, we're not actually hearing real strategy yet, are we? So I think with Qatar, we're still being told by people that, that this is not the Qatar royal family. This is not the Qatar hierarchy. Yes, it is. And when we hear from them, we'll be able to question them, won't we? So we haven't heard from that yet. I think with Sheikh Jasmine, I, I think this would have been the perfect opportunity for him to turn up and say, we're here and we want this club. He sent the intermediate said, all good, but it doesn't give you that press opportunity. So I'm sure Qatar will see this today of what's happened with Jim Ratcliffe and they'll want to play their next card. And that will be doing something a little bit more public than just having a meeting with Richard Arnold. Yes, indeed. Let us know uh, your thoughts on this process uh, as it stands. Obviously, nothing is too clear at the moment, but the... And I'm just watching the Champions League draw. Manchester City have drawn Bayern Munich. Real Madrid have drawn Chelsea. So uh, very interesting 
uh, much fun for us football journalists <laughs> uh yes that is the time we're, we've had a nightmare recording today just just to be honest with you guys who are listening we have had an absolute nightmare it's taken us hours to get this episode out uh and to even record the episode because our our software has been a bit troublesome uh but i think we've got through it i'll have to wrap up just so i don't jinx it but um yes <laughs> let us know your comments on anything we've talked about today jude bellingham united in the europa league united in the fa cup against fulham this weekend they should be expecting to win again uh but they've got to get the job done uh, and we're going into an international break as well obviously so we will be back on tuesday uh to talk about the fulham game and to we'll do a little bit we'll we'll take a bit of a a wider look at things i suppose and we'll follow the the ownership developments as they come and we'll talk about the developments as they come as well but yes uh thanks for listening thanks for sticking with us today uh rob Sorry about all the issues, but it's not your fault. It's not my fault. Uh, but hopefully this episode comes out and nobody notices the difference. We're hoping. Uh, you just told them, Scott. <laughs> I know, I just told them. I might have just given given it up. Uh, but yes, yeah, subscribe to our show wherever you get your pods, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. And watch us on YouTube twice a week, Tuesdays and Fridays, we usually do it. Head over to the channel, like, subscribe, join the community, leave a comment for us, as I mentioned as well. And uh, get in touch with us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at underscore Rob underscore B, and at Promise and MU for the show. Thank you very much, Rob. Uh, we'll see you soon, everyone, for another Promise Land. Let's hope United can get through to the semi finals of the FA Cup, and we'll debrief next Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.